Alright, Flask, play the Django and we'll get started. Alright, please don't see us. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Broken Campfire Podcast, which, thanks to uh, 2019 podcasting technology, is now your Broken Campfire too. I'm Andy. Oh. I'm joined by three other broken men. Uh, all repeat guests on the Broken Campfire. How's everybody doing? Offenders. Uh, doing great. <laughs> all repeat offenders. Uh, all, all repeat offenders. Uh, we've got Vito. Ayo. Got Eric. Hi. And we've got Flask. Ao two. And Flask. As always, I, I'd like a quick numbers update. Uh. Actually, countless. 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 Like it's above I mean, the number tracker. Or do you like not yeah. know how to count? <laughs> oh, that that too. All right, cool. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. Okay. How do we so, squeeze money out of these people? Yeah, that's a great producer question. Uh, let's let's talk about it on the podcast. Actually, yeah, you know, this most podcasts talk wait until after recording's done. This is this is raw. Okay. So, Flask, what's your monetization model for 2020? Well, I can't count, so I don't know that I'm the best suited. Who left this guy in charge of the money? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, the, I was told that he had particular qualities that made him really good with money, and that's that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you that? <laughs> I, oh, I, I said all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> uh -huh. on, that, on that note, Eric... What have you been playing yes. recently? In lieu of that shows that you've been enjoying. Well, or other things. Uh, I have um, been playing through Red Dead 2 first time, and I think you were going to talk about that, so I'm going to save that. Um, well, no, you, you can go ahead, because my comments are more specifically on the PC port. I'm kind of curious. It's been out for like a year now, so you are definitely aware of the hype and everything. So how, how's it going yeah. so far? Uh, last I checked in, yeah. you were pretty early on. I'm still I'm still only in chapter two because I keep getting okay. I, I'm the type of, of gamer in in these free roaming games where I I just see all the side stuff to do and I just get very distracted. For example, uh, I pretty much did all of the Gwent in Witcher three before doing like anything else. What I didn't, <laughs> didn't in the Gwent, Gwent champion. Gwent. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what I. I, I was with you too. Like when you, the first thing you said about being that kind of gamer, I was like, "Yeah, me too." And then okay. you said the, yeah, but the Gwent. <laughs> I got very distracted. I did the tutorial Gwent, and that was the last Gwent I did. And that it wasn't was like it. it was bad. It's just like there's so much more game to play than Gwent. I loved. Gwent I, I did the all the Gwent in the second game. playthrough. Oh yeah, in the context of the game, exactly. Um, Sorry, go ahead, Misha. Yeah. Sure, so yeah. so basically, you know, I've been doing some hunting and upgrading the camp and stuff like that. So a lot to play. Uh, Andy, you and I have talked uh, previously about um, you, you mentioned that Red Dead 2 has some some things that make it uh, much better than other free roaming games and some, some new things. I haven't seen the new things as much. Or maybe I'm just thinking of... Uh, I, I think... I, I think you should just hold off and try to look at things like that until you're done. Like, uh, yeah, that's what I figured too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to keep your eye out. Like, oh, that's new. You know, what I mean, just experience it. But the other thing I wanted to talk about um, is I did end up getting Pokemon Sword, and mm. um, 
for the most part, I've been watching my girlfriend play it. She's this is her second Pokemon game ever, so it's definitely not stale. Right. What we was played her first? Through, we played through Let's Go together. That was her first. <laughs> Other, okay. Otherwise, she was otherwise she was only familiar with the anime. Does she play games in general? Not really. Um, for the most part, any games she's played have been with me. Um, most, again, mostly Nintendo games, a la Smash Bros, Mario Kart, stuff like that. And so, I will say, um, as far as the game goes, it's it's just another Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. Um, the the new gimmick is the Dynamax or Gigamax thing. Um, the difference being, uh, Dynamax, your Pokemon gets bigger, it has stronger attacks for three turns, and Gigamax, um, it does kind of the same thing, but also the the shape or form of the Pokemon changes for those three turns, um, which can kind of change its stats and stuff like that. It reminds me a are... lot of, like, X-Factor in... You remember, like, in Marvel vs. Capcom 3? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, like, you activate Why is everybody for a few pissed turns. at that game, though? I, I never played any Pokemon uh, games. Okay, so everyone's pissed because, first of all, they cut the number of Pokemon available to you at all, by any means, to, to 400. Um, so there's no national decks. Um, my my personal guess is that they're going to do what they always do, and they're going to make either a third game or another two sets of games with, with the same region, same Pokemon, and they're going to come out with the national decks. And that's one of the reasons why they're holding it back. But we'll see about that. Pokemon spike it. armor. Yeah, something. <laughs> Sword, shield, spear? I don't know. Um, Brass gun. knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> <Pokemon> <laughs> <Brass> <laughs> <knuckles>. <laughs> um, but what really got everyone upset after that is they said they were doing it so that they could really focus on animations for the Pokemon that were in it. And if you've played a Pokemon game, you know that there's not a whole lot of animations. Like a lot of um, animations are repetitive for the different. They just hop and up, like and that. then the other Pokemon gets hit. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot to it, even in like the it's new like, like Blastoise 3D stuff. used Water Gun, and like he headbutts the enemy, right? <laughs> right, and then like yeah, he'll do like a headbutt motion, and then like a a water cannon will come out of his face, <laughs> like just water animation. <laughs> um, so yeah, animations not that. Not that good. Pretty obvious that they didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. Especially in comparison to like the Pokemon Stadium games, which had custom animations for every single attack and, back and in the N64 <laughs> That came out 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been the biggest... A, lo- a lot of the models are also just imported straight from the Let's Go games. Uh-huh. Damn. Pokemon fans yeah. are... Games still sold like Gangbusters, so, so I think. Yeah, it's still yeah. sold tons. Um... The other kind of gimmick is this uh, wild area where you kind of you enter it in kind of the beginning of the game and basically there's Pokemon from all different kinds of um, regions and levels. So there's Pokemon that you even want to avoid and not fight um, because they're way too strong for your team. You Bike around! Yeah, you just kind of have to go around them. Also, when you're online, I learned, you can sometimes see like other players running around. And there's some, like, in-world events and stuff. But, uh, hmm. it's almost scary because they'll, like, appear and then disappear out of nowhere. Like, it's almost like there's, like, a 50-foot radius around you that you can see anyone else. 
And so, like, someone will run past you and disappear, or you'll, like, turn the camera, and as you're turning the camera, <laughs> they disappear. It's just super janky. That's weird. So That seems I mean, to apply for Pokemon, too, right? Like, wild Pokemon will just pop up in a certain yeah, radius. Yeah, they'll just pop up and disappear and stuff like that. I mean, overall, you can just you can just kind of tell, like, they could have put a lot more effort in the game. Especially when the other uh, main franchises, like Mario and Zelda, have had some pretty tremendous leaps and pretty tremendous changes in their formula yeah. on the Switch. So a little disappointed in that, um, but... Katie is very happy to to be playing this. It's not at all old for her. <laughs> and so she's well, having nice. fun. I'm still having fun anyway. I I'm a big oh, I'm okay. a big sucker I'm glad, for it. Man. <laughs> so it's still uh it's doing a good job of capturing a new audience it seems like or Yeah. You know, I, yeah, why not? I yeah, I don't know if there are any lessons that they can learn from this when it's still doing very well, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, if it sells, it sells, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not much to do about it. All right, uh, Vito, what have you played? Uh, I played a little bit of Reach, um, which I guess we'll we'll talk about in a bit. I've been playing uh, Police Stories. It's um, like a new indie game. That was uh, really cool. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it looks and plays like Hotline Miami, where it's like this top down, um, like a uh, simple aesthetic, and um, I don't know if it's like set in the '80s, but it's kind of got kind of got like that like '80s retro mm-hmm. feel. Um, but instead of like running through uh, an environment as fast as you can and just murdering at speed of light, you're you have to like use uh, tactics and equipment to clear rooms. And you get a score at the end of the level, and you can't even, uh, as me and uh, uh, Brendan learned, you can't even proceed to the next level unless you're like actually a good police officer. Because the first couple <laughs> times we just went through murdering everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's funny because that's that like, sounds like a the good... exact opposite initial instinct I have in those games. Like, yeah. no, I mean we knew like like Miami type. Yeah. yeah, we knew what we had to do, but it was just like. Like, Let's see what he, we can get away would, with. Yeah, and he would get like taken down, and I would just fly into a fit of rage. I would just see red. Like, that's <laughs> no, no one leaves this building alive. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, it's cool. There's like hostages um, that you have to save, and uh, there's a story which is it's like a, a totally rad, like again, '80s like buddy cop story. Police um, story. Of course. Did you uh, ever play uh, Door Kickers? I was gonna no. say I, th- I I think it's very similar to Door Kickers. Mm-hmm. Is that also top down? That one it's, is so it's no it's, more it's, it's tactical, I think, right? Yeah, Door no. Kickers is side scrolling. Yeah, it is. Door- no, it's oh, top okay, down. Okay, sorry, sorry. There's there's two different Door Kickers games. Oh, really? <laughs> there's one that is similar to what Vito's describing, and uh-huh. there's another one that is side scrolling. I've only ever played the side scrolling one. Dude, th- this game's fucking hard. We're, we're like on the third level, and it tells you what like difficulty the level is. So the level we're on right now is three point five out of ten. We spent we spent an hour trying to beat this level, and Damn. like the levels are relatively short. Like you figure there's only like eight enemies on a stage, and you die. You know, we died like a hundred times in an hour because you know you get killed hmm. in one shot. 
Um, mm-hmm. So either we suck or, or the game's like really hard. But it's fun. I recommend it. It's like 15 bucks. Is there any amount of that that's like, if there's going to be gear that you guys are going to unlock that's going to make that stuff a lot easier, but you don't have that gear yet? So the well, game just feels I don't know. It's, right it's a, there's a story mode we're playing through. So it's not like you go back and do oh, missions later. You do get more gear. Like, we unlocked uh, like pepper spray. <laughs> um, which you could use to like make make people talk, but we we just been like arresting people and then just unloading the clip <laughs> for no reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty funny. We might do like a little uh, a little video of us playing. I think you guys tried to do that, but we, we uh, tried. But the, the I'm video not producer at the time savvy was as, as flask. Right. So we we said the same thing basically. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've been playing that, Reach, I feel like there was another game, uh, and just watching The Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on, because I've also watched yeah. The Witcher. Uh, Alright, Flask, what have you been playing, or of that other things making you happy? Uh, well, the only game I've played in the past week or so, um, I still use Gamefly for most console games that are like exclusives um so they like, really? they'll send me a game and i'll I play know it gamefly well, was still a thing yeah, yeah I, didn't, I thought that was like a 10 years ago how much you pay for i mean that? there's a, like 20 something a month a month yeah i i i cancel it when i don't need it i don't keep oh, okay. it. Like, yeah. do you use like xbox game pass have you tried that out yeah for pc games i need <laughs> i'm saying for console exclusive games okay well, like, there's a few it. options you could do. Like, my local library doesn't have games, so I can't get them from my library. Uh, I guess I could use Redbox. I don't know. They're they're canceling their video game thing soon. Yeah. You know, there's not so many options if I don't want to just buy the game. Mm-hmm. So, How in much, the end, it's still uh, cheaper than buying each. What? How much is your, is your subscription? To Gamefly? Yeah. To 20 bucks like, a month? Tw- yeah, 20 bucks or so. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just, I get it when I want exclusive games that I can't get otherwise. And, uh, a game that's been on my list for a long time that was for a long time just unavailable was, um, the, the PS3 Ratchet and Clank games. Um, Mm -hmm. I had, I had played all the Ratchet and Clank games for the PS2 and then was just kind of waiting on the PS3 ones for, (laughs) for years and then I guess they got restocked for those because I got the first one, which is uh, Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction. Um, I there's, I've there's, that game. There's three of them in that future trilogy, so this is the first one. Um, it, yeah, it's just a really solid, enjoyable series, and this is you know no different. You can just kind of turn off your brain and shoot stuff. A lot All of robots, of wacky and weapons. Shit. Sorry, yeah, right. so many wacky weapons, and it's it's really similar to any of the first three on the PS2. I, I I think that what you're saying right now might be even like the only problem with it is that they kept iterating it and not really doing anything mm-hmm. different, and that that was fine for people who love love those games, you know. But when they did do, do when they do do different things, it got weird. Like they made a car game. I think the last game on the PS4, or sorry, the last game on the PS2 era, Ratchet and Clank, was Deadlocked, a car game. Yeah. I, no, I Deadlocked, Deadlocked was, uh, you're, you have no Clank, you're just Ratchet, and you're in like a oh, s- series right. of gauntlets. Right. I think you're thinking of Jack right. X. I am. <laughs> Jack and yes. Dexter racing game. I am. Um, wow. Yeah, the, 
you wouldn't want to play them like in a row because it just gets this it's same thing over and over again tedious that's but not even every now and then or no that's insomniac gaming yeah yeah, Insomniac. Naughty Dog is Jack and Daxter. Insomniac Insomniac is... <laughs> no, but all these games kind of they flow together for me too because they're similar. Yeah, well, yeah, you just play one every now and then, and you have fun, and you move along. I mean, the story is stupid. It's nothing. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, so yeah, that's the uh, pretty much the only game I played. I haven't gotten to Disco Elysium yet, but I need to. Right. Um, yeah. Same. I uh, and then I I saw Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. You and I Good talked time. a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing it next so, week. I, okay, so it it has good elements to it and good parts. I Like, I'm not going to be an asshole that says it doesn't have good stuff in it, but the foundation of the whole thing is just, like, completely rotten. It, it, it had so much dumb, cheesy, like, contrived bullshit. You're, you're just constantly, like, rolling your eyes or cringing. There's so much stuff like that. It's funny, though, because I'm seeing such mixed reviews. Like, a lot of people I talk to uh, who are Star Wars fans, some of them are, are saying it's, like, the perfect Star Wars movie. Well, I th- you know, it's interesting, because I don't... I believe you. I think, like, my friends are Star Wars fans, but they're not, like, necessarily, like, hmm. I don't know, like, cinema fans. Not that right. Star Wars My, my opinion I don't is... Like a hate mail, there's a difference. But- my opinion is actually if you don't care about anything and like if Star Wars doesn't matter to you at all but you will watch a Star Wars movie you'll probably have fun with this one right you know like if it doesn't if you don't care about it at all but we'll watch it just for fun then it probably will be fun I mean it's very fan servicey from what I've gleaned from the reviews yes it is people that get their rocks off on that will probably have a fun time my my analogy is like you, you can try to weave the best garment you can like using jj's using all his skills and you know everything he's learned but if like half your threads are all frayed and useless then your garment's gonna end up shitty you know like if yeah if you use all this bad stuff that you've been building up or not building up then it's gonna end up bad what a go- what really analogy personally. right there. Let's, let's keep Thank using you. that garment. The garment analogy. <laughs> And uh, the comic relief is actually pretty good, weirdly. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, you bring Jar Jar back? Uh yeah, Darth Jar Jar. Yeah. Darth Jar Jar. I'm so yeah, I'm so uh, glad that that's the canon. My I am, favorite I'm glad too. part of the movie is uh, referencing an event in the opening crawl that only happened in Fortnite. <laughs> that's a real thing. An event that only happened in Fortnite. Yep. <laughs> All right, it's cool. real. <laughs> oh no! All right. Uh, well, I've been playing some Red Dead Redemption Two PC, as Eric mentioned earlier. Um, I have a few comments just on the PC port of the game. This is my second playthrough of the game, so I'm not looking at it with green eyes like Eric over there. Um, green eyed. First off, I think the keyboard and mouse eyes controls are, are really, really, really good. Really solid, and the first thing I noticed that convinced me on that was just how smooth the mouse aiming was and how nice it felt to, you know, ride around aiming on the mouse, blah, 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 blah. Um, okay. But where that's kind of, like, really shined for me is in the little things that annoyed me about the controls. Uh, in the, on the one I played on the PS4, no longer do, like, fishing is so much easier and manageable on the keyboard. I hated fishing 
on console. But once I learned it, it know, wasn't too bad on console. Yeah, I just, I just hate. Yep. I just hate things where you gotta like you know rotate the stick. Yeah, to I get you. Like I, I just I, I, I didn't never like liked the... that kind of get a game or a mini game. It took me a while to get used to the gun aiming on the console. I thought it was really just, it didn't feel good. It was clunky. Um, I know other people have said similar things, but I definitely got used to it, and it's not a problem when I play now. I don't have it on the PC yet, so, but I'm really looking forward to, yeah. to get it on the now, PC. And I never actually had a problem with the console aiming. Like, this isn't me saying the console aiming was so bad. It's more like, wow, the mouse aiming is that good, you know? Um, I feel like I should switch. I've been playing uh, with the controller. Oh yeah, you absolutely time. should at least try it out. They they did yeah, a great job sense. with keyboard and mouse optimization. I feel like with Rockstar games, I usually end up like aiming. Like when I'm on foot, I'll use the mouse and keyboard, and when I'm in a vehicle or in this <laughs> yes. case, a horse, I'll switch to the controller. <laughs> yes, and I, I've exactly done the same thing. And this is the first Rockstar game where I felt like I don't need a controller. I don't even want to use a great. controller. You know That's great. That's I mean? awesome. Um, I, on the negative side, there's. There's only one place where I've noticed the keyboard controllers are consistently giving me an issue, and that's kind of in a so um, in a lot of missions you'll you can hold shift, which is you know your sprint button, to uh, stay on pace with your companions when you're riding to a place, uh, whenever you're riding with somebody, and for some reason I have to like struggle a lot of times for my horse not to like just run into that person. I think it happens when you like try to focus on that person to like. Um, activate a dialogue choice. You know what I mean? How you sometimes have those whenever you're conversing on the way you can ask yeah. A or B. I think whenever you like highlight on them for some reason, my horse just like immediately runs into them, and it almost always causes like a problem where like the the dialogue will stop and they'll be like, "Hey, Arthur, what the fuck?" <laughs> it's a minor thing. Um, the only other thing I want to say is. Uh, PC optimization. Well, I don't know if it's optimization or if it's just that much of the game. I have a 1660. It took me a while to get to a good um, settings that made the game still look nice while also running at a smooth 60 FPS for me on at 1080p gaming. Uh, so it, it's definitely pretty demanding. 1660 is a really nice card for 1080p to 60 FPS gaming. Uh, but I did get there, and it looks really nice, and I have mostly 60 FPS. Sometimes when there's a lot of environmental stuff going on, I'll drop down to, like, 50, but, you know, it's not really all that noticeable. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Other than that, in my, I don't know, 40, 30, 40 hours in the game since I got on the PC, um, maybe not that many, I'm kind of guessing. Um, I've had a crash desktop three or four times, which is always frustrating, but it's not happening all that often. And I've had some issues with launching the game. I've mostly resolved that, but that seems to be fairly common right now for people using Steam to play the game, which I got because it was cheaper on Steam. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard Greg struggling with it. Like, the first two days he couldn't yeah. even launch the game. And I think they fixed a lot of the major issues people were facing related to that, but there's still some stuff going on. Uh, alright, yeah, other than that, I've, um, Plask and I just recently started playing through Life is Strange 2 together. We played through yep. most of episode 1 last night. We had initially intended to do a video series where we would record each episode in a single recording session. That might not necessarily mean that each, like, YouTube episode would be that long, but last, I wasn't expecting the first episode to be as long as it was, 
after we'd been recording for about, like, what, three and a half hours last night or something like that, we, we called it quits, because uh, Flash was still... Flash speculated we had about an hour left of gameplay left in that episode. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten how long each episode wow. was. We both really liked Life is Strange 1. You think that... I think it's fair for me to speak for Flask on this. We think it's both a game we would really recommend people to play if they like that type mm-hmm. of Telltale story adventure. I think Life is Strange is... But probably um, a little bit better than most of their efforts. Yeah, exactly exact what I was just about to say. It's a little bit better than most of their efforts and uh, has some fairly unique concepts. So definitely think you should still check that out. Uh, Before the Storm as well is pretty good. Not as good, but if you like Life is Strange, you'll like it. Uh, we're still like too early... Yeah, yes. Before the Storm is a prequel okay. uh, with this some of the same cast as Life is Strange, directly uh, intertwined. Life is Strange 2 is loosely intertwined with Life is Strange 1. So far, I think we're both enjoying it. I've noticed that they still are hitting some really good emotional points, like the writing, you know, uh, on one hand, it sometimes can feel a little cringe hearing the teenage dialogue, but that's because teenagers talk cringeworthy. And on the other hand, the dialogue or the writing is still packing an emotional punch. So I'm optimistic it's going to be a good ride. I just, you know, we don't haven't really played enough to form an opinion on it. Yeah. I know that the general reception, I haven't dug too deep into what people think about it, but I don't think it's received as well as the first game. I don't but think so. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, we'll form our own opinion. So yeah, look for that on YouTube sometime soon. Soon, TM. <laughs> then uh, uh, Vito and I both have watched the... F- I've watched the first episode of The Witcher. Netflix series. Vito's watched the first three episodes or so. Three episodes. And the last one. And, so uh, yeah, so we're ready to do a complete review. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're a pro-Witcher podcast here. I think I, I think that's what Entertainment Weekly through. did. That is what they did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that is... Yeah, that was the first review that came up about the, the series. <laughs> it was not particularly kind, and in the review, the reviewer had watched the first two episodes and then skipped episode five and then called it called it a yeah. day, I think. I can't believe he admitted it, too, in the review. Like, yeah, I imagine right. that's what a lot of reviewers do, but it... <laughs> It's, it's called rated. honest reporting. Real recognized, <laughs> real man. Um, and uh, what I was getting is, I think all four of us have played through The Witcher Three. Maybe not. I played Witcher yeah. Two, Witcher Three. I haven't read any books or any outside material. Unsurprisingly, okay. and, uh, Flask is the most knowledgeable among us. <laughs> Flask has played all the games and has read all of the books. Yes. Oh, so I'm really interested. At least the ones translated. Yeah. Didn't you read some fan translations too? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, at, some of the bo- at a certain point, oh, there was only fan translations, right? but uh, uh, I don't know if they're all translated officially now, but... I, I think um, they all will be now, yeah. if they aren't. But I have read all um, of the material that was released, so... And then you got so, uh, fanfic you've been working on, too, right? Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. Bitcher? Was it? Don't! So how are you liking it, Vito? As me and you are the only two people who have actually seen the show so far. Ah, uh, man. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to be like those review sites and, you know, give it a review off the three episodes I've seen. Initial impressions. Initial impressions. Um, 
I've found a lot to enjoy. Uh, I think I would find it kind of hard to recommend to somebody who who's never um, played the games or doesn't know anything about the series. I'm following along pretty well because you know you know I know all these characters already. I kind of mm. have an idea of the timeline that's happening. There's a lot of jumping around in timelines in the show that I think if you don't even if you haven't played the games, you don't even know that there's multiple timelines happening right now. Um, not that they're hiding it either, but I just think it's not very clear. There's a lot of different characters, different um, eras. Uh, but I'm finding a lot to enjoy. I really like that it's like um, like a Monster of the Week show. I think that's really cool. I like stuff like that. Hmm. Um, I, I think didn't realize they, it was that. I've I, I only seen the first episode, but that's kind of... That's kind well, okay, of cool. well, in the first three episodes, it is. I, I think maybe Flash could weigh in, but isn't this based... It's based... Oh, then I guess. Well, may, well, you've read the books, though, right? Yes. Isn't one of the the first book is just a series of short stories? The first couple of books are a series of short stories. Okay, so I think that's that's, that's kind of how it's happening. Yeah, yeah. There is an overarching story, but the first three episodes, at least, there's been, uh, you know, uh, like solitary stories within each episode, and they've been mm-hmm. like monster. It's like literally like playing the game. It's it's kind of a cool format where the Witcher will get a quest. And then there will be, in, in all three episodes so far, there will be, th- uh, sorry, two, um, like, branching paths that he could take, you know, just like the game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, of course, you find out not all, you know, uh, not all is as it, as it seems, and Witcher is forced to, be t- uh, to choose between, you know, uh, two evils, basically. Uh, and they really, they really hammered in. So I think it's really cool that they do that. As the viewer, you you see the uh, Geralt's uh, choices, and you you get uh, you make your own thoughts. But um, it's really on the nose. Like the amount of times they say like destiny and and choosing the lesser evil, and, and Geralt will say a million times, "Well, I don't choose the lesser e- evil. I, I choose not to choose." You know. Yeah, I was also surprised like, they had a few of his like iconic monologues about that in the first episode. Like, oh man, they're really huh. out the gate with that. Yeah, so it's really on the nose, but I think it's cool um, that you get to see what choices Geralt has in front of him. Uh, I think it's... Uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll say that Henry Cavill as um, Geralt, I think he does a good job. I mean, there, some of the reviews are complaining that you know he's very one-note and you know his... Uh, there was one review that was saying his voice doesn't go above like a whisper, but like if you play the games, it's like literally how he talks. So he's he's nailing it. It's just that you know, to be honest, Geralt is not the most interesting character in video games. He's kind of like a neutral vehicle for yeah. you to play as, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, uh, so he's. I, he's I not- think he is more nuanced than that, but I think no, definitely. I still I still agree with what you're saying because the. The perception of Geralt in the world that he is in is that he's one note killing machine with no emotions, and Henry yes. Cavill is like nailing that perfectly, you know, because he's that's just the way Geralt is. That's know? the persona it, he projects. Yeah, right. If, if you yeah, play he the wants games, people to think that in some capacity. Right. It's all about money and killing monsters, and he doesn't want to pick sides, right. and he doesn't want to choose alliances and get involved in politics, and he's always getting involved in politics, and he's always being somebody's pawn. Um, which 
you know, is, is like one of the overarching themes of the games. Um, but yeah, so I think he does a good job. And something that's really bothered me about some of these reviews, uh, there's so many reviews saying like, oh, it's a Game of Thrones ripoff. That's just fucking stupid. Like, you're just seeing fantasy elements. And, you're saying, <laughs> yeah. and Game of Thrones happens to be the other fantasy popular show, but they're like, they're like not even similar. Most people think. are stupid. Most people are dumb. Well, they're similar, they're similar in the sense that they're big, high production value shows in, in a medieval low, low fantasy setting, which is actually fairly high fantasy, I guess. But you know what I'm trying, trying to say. Like, yeah, yeah I, I agree with yeah. you. They're not actually all that similar, but... Meanwhile, know. I mean, I think it's no coincidence that this show is starting up after Game of Thrones ends. You know? So, Vito... Uh, I'm sure they're cashing in on a little bit of that, but I didn't feel that they were that similar other than their fantasy stories, and there's a gazillion fantasy stories out there, you know? Yeah. Right. So, Vito, um, I'm going to piggyback my comments off yours by poking at something you didn't say, and because most of what you said was very positive, and I agree well, with what you said. Well, I have a lot to say. Okay, well, I just, let me just interject real quick. Cause yeah, I no, how can But I might, I, I might think, agree with what you're saying. I think it's telling that you have made the show seem so far as if it's only about Geralt. And <laughs> I think that the least interesting parts of the show to me so far, and I've only seen the first episode, are the ones... The show is really following two major POVs, right? You have Geralt's and his storylines, and then you have Ciri and her storylines. So, so you are... I think you're wrong because you only watched the first episode, but there's at least one other point of view so far. But but I but continue mm-hmm. because I think what you're saying is still true. Well, so what I was going to say is that I was I thought that maybe it's because how strong of a performance Henry Cavill is as Geralt that I was really drawn in to the Geralt storyline in episode one. Um, and as you were saying about how in a in a way that the structure kind of resembles a video game, and that's a that makes that makes it better. I, I have the same comment. You know, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much 100 with you when you talk about Geralt so far. But I think right. that the series segments have been not as interesting, and I think that uh, there is a and you mentioned this at the start about how you feel like it would be hard to get into if you weren't already a fan. I feel like there's some problems with directing here. Um, and I talked with Flask a bit about this, about how I'm going to word this in a way that's not spoilery, and I think I got it pretty good, but... Does Flask care about spoilers? Yeah. Flask knows <laughs> everything that's going to happen in the show anyway. Yeah, I'm not spoiling it about still. him. This this is pretty surface level. So, so I don't think it's spoilers to say that they're, the, one of the prim- premises of the show is Geralt and Ciri being connected by Destiny. And mm-hmm. Destiny... What may be spoilers, but I think it's fairly obvious, is that there is actually a specific mechanism by which they are connected via Destiny. You know, it's not just random noise. And I was really shocked that the show did not show us that specific mechanism in Episode 1. And I know what that mechanism is. I'm I'm trying to play coy for people who may not understand the series, but I feel like that piece of information they're trying to play coy with, and you have people saying to Geralt and to Ciri independently of one another who are having totally different storylines go find this other person you're you're connected by destiny you know i I think that talk spoilers now you want to keep them out uh, i do just uh, (laughs) okay just yeah 
I, you know, the, the stuff I've said so far is really just, like, very basic stuff. I don't, I don't mind that. That's fine. Um, what about I guess the, uh, getting... the visuals? How are you liking them? Uh, very good. You know, I wasn't expecting much. I was expecting some of the monsters to look cool, but um, the monster in this first scene was, I thought, really cool. Um, so far, I'm liking the cinematography, cinematography and everything. Um, yeah. I, I think, like, uh, the visuals are a mix of, like, really cool, and some of them have, like, a very, uh, like, network television look at some points. Yeah, uh, sure. So sometimes it could be a little awkward. Uh, there's one monster in the second episode. Um, it's like a, a goat man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, really jarring, because I don't know if it looks really good or, like, really bad, um, but it's definitely, definitely really striking. Right. Is it in that, like, Uncanny Valley kind of Yeah, area? it's, it's almost, you know what, a lot of the visuals for the monsters remind me of, like, uh, Guillermo, I can't, Guillermo? Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, there you uh, go. Like, like, his movies, like, they're, uh, you know, it's all, like, um... Uh, it's not CGI. It's um, practical makeup and costuming. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's just not as good. But it, it's cool. The, the sword fighting's awesome. The gore again reminds me of Guillermo del Toro because all his stuff is like really blatantly gory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just noticed that. Um, what was I gonna say? I gonna say something about something. Oh yeah. So I don't think this is a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. Um, in the Second episode, starting in the second episode, you meet. Uh, they they start doing Yennefer's origin story. Oh, okay, sure. So that's the other point of view, and I think it's the best so far. Oh, really? The, okay. The actor that plays Yennefer is really, really good, and I think the the origin story was a lot of fun. Like once once that started, I was actually more interested in that than like the Geralt and I mean Siri. I yeah, I agree. I don't think she's that interesting right now. Um. But I definitely think you should watch the. Uh, you should keep watching at least to see like the Yennefer stuff, and then see if yeah. you want to keep watching from there. Yeah, um, I guess the point that I want to drive home is just like, man, there's so many concepts in the show that you you touched on this that it would be. It's a show made for the fans. I I don't think I would recommend the show to people who aren't familiar with it. But like, and that's an episode pretty- one, like Nilfgaard, Sentra, Wizards, Witchers, you know. What are all these different things, you know? And it, the show doesn't actually explain what any of those things are, really. Yeah. You kind of, like, are just living it. And I, I like that as a person who already knows what those things are, but I can... I definitely understand the frustration of seeing in the reviews. Yeah, you don't really know what a Witcher is if, if you don't know about uh, the other material. They kind of hint, you know, like, someone will say to Geralt, like, oh, I heard... Uh, you got to know no emotions, and you're mutant, yeah. you know. So you kind of put it together. So that stuff's cool. And then on the other hand, some stuff is just like you're beating over the head with it, you know. Some of the themes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I think that in particular the the an- totally not explained, ambiguous political conflict between Nilfgaard and Sentra, and and is one of the reasons that makes series storylines so hard to. Be intrigued yeah, by Nilfgaard are just these evil cavity creep looking dudes, right? And all you know is Sintra is like, oh, that, that was the people that Siri liked, and there was the guy that was kind of funny and the really nice mother character, you know. Yeah, um, you meet uh, Dandelion eventually, 
and I think you see him in the first episode. I, I think I saw oh, he was really? going to be Dandelion pretty quickly. Yeah. I think he's in like the second or third episode officially, and he he's good. He does a good job. So I think cool. they did. it's a pretty good uh, casting. I'm definitely gonna keep watching for a little bit. The third episode has been my favorite so far. It ends with like this really really awesome Witcher monster fight scene. Oh, cool, cool. So, yeah. Well, um. I'm excited to see it all the way through. There's only eight episodes. It's on Netflix. I'll drop it once. So maybe in an episode or two, we'll wrap back around and put a cap on that discussion. Nah, I um, think we should just review it right now. I will have seen it by the next episode for sure. Let's just give it a score. I I, I just want to say, I I did suggest that everybody get assigned two episodes at random, but, you know, my producer shot me down. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, at random side. Yeah, I shot you down. One uh, seven. Uh, right. Right, you exactly. might watch the one on seven. Yeah, Flash Some of us might down, watch, like, the same episode. Flash shot me down as he does all my good ideas. What if Nobody uh-huh. watches episode four? No matter what, nobody watches it. <laughs> Alright. Alright, yeah. Let's move on. Um, one game that came out this month, Halo Reach PC. That is near and dear to all of our hearts because back in the day when we were all teenagers on Xbox Live, that was one game that we all played a lot of, that and Halo 3, and even ODST. It's a game that not only did we just play a lot of in general, but we play a lot of as a group. So mm-hmm. to our group, you know, it has a lot of meaning. Um, there's been a lot of buzz, positive and negative, I think, about the PC port, and I kind of wanted us to get to uh, get a beat on that. Currently, only Halo reaches out right now with the rest of them seeming to come out in 2020 or soon thereafter. Yeah, so they have, they have a path. You... I'm not sure exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll just hop right in. Um, I think it's a great port. I love that I could just hop right into matchmaking and get in the game really quick. I love the menu system how I could choose uh, the type of game I want to play. I think it's going to be so cool when, you know, I could say, yeah, I want to play Team Slayer in either Reach, Halo 3, or, you know, or, uh, yeah. like, that, that's... Super Combat Evolved, yeah. And queue all of the so games at once. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's on... You've never been able to do anything like that before. I, mean, I know you could do all this on the consoles right now, but um, I'm not a... Some sort of... I mean, especially on the PC, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff is great. Um, the game feels good. The aiming with the mouse and keyboard is just f- f- well. I think it's just oh, fine. I want to talk about that. Yeah, all right. So, so you could just destroy that. Um, <laughs> but I have one big issue with the game. Possibly the only issue I have that's ruining the lose? game for me. No, dude. I went, I'm actually. I picked it up like a fucking bicycle. I'm serious. Hmm. Like I'm like usually at the top of the leader. I had the opposite I don't mean experience initially. And, I, and are you playing with the controller wants... or a keyboard? I was playing with the uh, keyboard at first, and I was wrecking dudes. And now I'm playing with the controller. I'm wrecking even harder. Wow. Okay. I'm kind of an unstoppable force, and I'll take on any uh, listener who thinks they could one v one me snipers. Yeah, just Adam. His gamer tag is xxx42069. Uh, that's what I was just xxx xxxx. That that's the most professional gamer tag. I will say I have seen uh, a couple of those like classic Xbox gamer tags out there in the wild again. Drop shot. 
420 yeah like that kind of thing it's hilarious they gotta be like a, like a bulk of them have to be like ironic by now right i, I remember when every gamer tag had like an eye in front of it like i uh-huh. i snipes my favorite was the guy that we all knew that made his gamer tag have aa undead in it so that he would be the first on their on your list <laughs> yeah <laughs> his Genius. name was aa undead marine Okay, I didn't want to say it really, but yeah. Yeah, just, uh, he's going to put him on blast like that. He listens right, way, to this. Way to dox that guy. Ah, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> way to dox that guy, yeah. Uh, he just wanted people to invite him to his game. To, to <laughs> no, I, I, I generally agree with most of what you said. Um, I haven't played Control yet, and I'm kind of interested in it because I feel like I'm a little rusty on keyboard. I feel like I've, I've been struggling to get my mouse sensitivity to where I want it to be. Bro, just and throw it out. Grab the, key, grab the yeah. controller, I'm telling Here, you. So I, 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 I actually prepared something on this. <laughs> so, if I okay. if I may. Yeah, go ahead. A little um, first. So, <clears throat> uh, so the the main thing um, for, for mouse and keyboard versus controller that I think some people might not know about as far as reach goes is that the controller still has aim assist. And so, I, I think... By this point, most people understand that in FPS games, uh, a mouse is more accurate than a controller, and so therefore, 99% of the time, you're going to prefer a mouse. But the the aim assist in Reach um, includes uh, three different components. Um, there's there's something called uh, reticle drag, which basically is w- once you're kind of looking towards an opponent, um, it's like your, a magnet, right? Your yeah, your camera is constantly following them a little bit. Um, there's bullet magnetism, which means that as you're shooting at the enemy, um, even if you're a little bit off, if you've already been shooting at them for a little bit, you will still hit them anyway. Um, and then, uh, there's also, uh, just the fact that as you kind of mouse over or, or thumbstick over, um, the aim slows down a little bit it as slows, you get, yeah, right. right. And so all those things together obviously help you aim a lot. In addition, um... One thing I noticed just playing Reach a little bit today is how much quicker uh, first-person shooter games have gotten in the past decade. Like, yeah. like not having oh, yeah, sprint sure. is a guaranteed thing, and yeah, you're just dude. walking around, you feel like you're going so slow. That also helps a lot with the controller, because nobody's like doing these like crazy spastic right. kind of movements. And that, that messed me up, too, because I, I, was, I had sprint for a while, and then I switched to a different power... And, like, I was instinctively, like, trying to sprint, but I was, like, activating my camo, because I was like, oh, wait, no, I, I chose a different power. I can't sprint anymore. And I think even mm-hmm. in, even in like, Halo 4, if I recall, and I never played Halo 4, but I think in Halo 4, sprinting became um, a standard thing. That's correct. I so. Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's the first game where everyone had it, and then in 5, they did the same. And in addition to some other kind of, like, boosty... Do you guys options. remember when Halo Reach first came out, having like a negative reaction towards that? Because I sure did. Because I saw like yeah. adding the powers uh-huh. and that kind of thing. It was like, man, there. Like at the time, there was Halo and there was Call of Duty, and that was like the two monoliths in the FPS genre. And I was saddened to see Halo Three uh, become a bit more call like Call of Duty. You know what I mean? I- I think you undersold how much we played Halo 3. We played a shit ton of Halo 3. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that specifically. And then when Reach came along, we were like, ugh, all these new things changes, you know. Uh Uh-huh. 
I still feel that way. I don't. I think they that game would play better if you took out all the dumb equipment. I mean, half of them I feel like are really not that great. Maybe I'm just I not that good of a player. Well. Yeah. But I don't. I think I don't, they're very contextual for the game mode, and like most of the game modes, don't need to have all five equipment. Like I'll never want to use that, active it, camo and big team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what are you ever going to use the uh, fucking, uh, what do you call it, the jetpack when everyone starts the DMR, which is my biggest problem that I was going to get. Right. <laughs> I um, think that's even, that was a case on the <laughs> Xbox as well. Like, though. why is sprint an ability? It just didn't make sense to me, even <laughs> if it's like, works gameplay-wise. I just don't, like, what I think it's, is that? it's supposed to, like, it's supposed to act as uh, an ability to make you more mobile, so you can get to, like, power weapons faster. You can no, no, I, I know faster. the advantage I, Okay, so from, like, a lore point, the way I would saying. understand oh, it is that... Okay. And, you know, I don't know if it goes this deep, but just a quick headcanon is that these are all these all are all Spartans of, like, the same class or whatever, with the same type of armor, and that type of armor supports maybe one module upgrade... And this is just, like, the array of module upgrades they selected. There's, like, a sprint thing that maybe provides some type of, like, mechanical assistance to your legs so that you don't have to use them as much, but it, like, has, like, a rechargeable power cell. I don't know. I mean, there's I'm ways you saying, can explain the chief wouldn't skip leg day. He'd be able to sprint if you want to. It doesn't <laughs> need to be an ability. I feel weird that some players can sprint, some can't. I mean, I know it's a trade-off, but I just feel like I'm always going to choose sprint. Why choose and I else? pretty much always do, yeah. Well... No, you so, know what? Actually, I like the um, the shield. That that's been very armor lock. Also. Yeah, you can use that. When, yeah, that's really really good. <laughs> and people just ignore you. Yeah, they'll just uh -huh. walk away. Or if they I stand behind you, the, you can whack them. Yeah, I actually so, do think the active camo is really good on some maps, but not the big brain boom is not to use it for the camo. Camo sucks, but to use right. it for the ra radar jamming, like that's that, right. that, that that's pretty useful. Yeah. Are you and the jetpack on certain maps is it, the jetpack is good on vertical maps. So like to, yeah. to get behind your enemy, like their force, right? You can jet up there. Get behind I, every them time I I could hear your jetpack, I know someone's in the air. I'm just gonna DMR well, you. Like three uh, shots. What, what's it called? Sword hallway or something like that? You guys know what map I'm talking? I don't. I can't remember what it's called. The one the with the valley map? in the middle, and there's like no, a bunch of no, vertical no, bridges. I'm talking. Oh, yes. Maybe, maybe that is what valley is one. a weird word. Valley is a weird word to describe it, but yeah, I, I think we're talking about the same thing. It's like three floors. It's a gap. Yeah. The metal gorge. Yes. Yes. Metal gorge. Metal, metal gorge. <laughs> it was the beta map, but yeah, I think that map jetpack is pretty good. Yeah. Active Campbell's also pretty good on that map. Actually, most right, abilities are, are viable on that map, <laughs> which is also why that map was the beta map. <laughs> mm -hmm. right, the abilities are great. No, but the, uh, <laughs> no, you no, can have that no, no, opinion. No. It's a valid opinion. But all I was saying was that my opinion on the abilities has <laughs> softened since then. Like now that I have the history of like what FPS games became standardized yeah. as after that point, and looking back, like I I'm okay with it. Like they don't actually bother me. Like I definitely think that I'm going to enjoy Halo two and three and probably even one better than Reach. You too. But uh, as a port, I think Reach is pretty solid. Some technical issues aside, that I hope get fixed. It's very polished, and I enjoy that everything works in a in a landscape where you know you got AAA games that are coming out where shit just doesn't work sometimes, like or at least at, at release, you know, you, you get uh be plagued with a month of you know buggy menus and bad uh, network mm -hmm. connectivity, but. I jumped in right away, and I didn't have any issues, and it's really nice yeah. to just hop on, immediately get into a game, real quick. It's the perfect, like, after-work game right now. 
Right. I I do have a list yeah. of issues actually. Yeah. No. Um, let's now let's tear this apart. Let's well, talk about I do, how much we hate it. I'm gonna add one thing about the controls because uh, go ahead because I don't have anything on that. Because when you're using the sniper rifle with a controller, you don't get aim assist. So in my opinion, pro tip. The, the best way to play that game is like a Rockstar game. <laughs> you use a controller, except when you pick up a sniper rifle, and then you use a mouse and keyboard. That's a good pro tip. Thank you. <laughs> but, I, I yeah, can't it's, imagine which is kind of bullshit. Like, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of sw- hot swapping on the fly. I feel like I'm going to get shot trying to, like, all right, I need to sit down my keyboard. No, fuck! No, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I usually... It's hard I, to aim the sniper on controller. I was popping okay. dudes. Yeah. Yeah, was, it was it was okay, but it's not. We'll have to see when uh, any of the other Halo games comes games. out because in Reach was the first Halo game that replaced the uh, bullet drop snipers with hand snipers. So if yeah. critical is <laughs> over the head when you shoot, you will hit. Um, my issues are more t- on the technical side, and I should preface by saying that I'm accessing this game through the Microsoft Game Pass. And I think some of my issues are related to that. Um, I use Bluetooth headset, huh. and when I start the game, when the game first launches and I click enter to go and all the menu stuff comes on, it just totally kills the sound. And it's not like a, uh, it's not like it disconnects the Bluetooth or anything, because on my volume mixer, it looks like I'm still getting sound. I just don't hear it. So some kind of software issue crashing or crashing a driver or messing with the sound mixing or something. I think Flask has found a workaround for me that will probably work, but that was kind of frustrating. Um, I also had a some really annoying issues with the Xbox PC app. Uh, I had an update for the game. I I didn't didn't tell me I had an update. Click play. The game nothing was happening. Like it would, you know, close the app and just put launch Halo. Then what happened? I wouldn't get a notification. Restart it. Was getting the same thing. Then I opened up Halo on the Microsoft Store app. So I'm talking about two different apps here. The Xbox Game Pass app for the Microsoft Store app. And I could start the download on the Microsoft Store app. And then it would show up on the Xbox app. That was a really annoying thing. Like I had to solve a puzzle just to get my update downloaded. <laughs> um, and then my it's download speeds were also really bad from the Xbox Game Pass. And I usually have pretty decent speeds, so... Uh, that that could be other things, so I'm not trying to lay that at Microsoft's feet. I did find that getting into a match had really variable matchmaking links. I I did not find that today when we played, so maybe they've fixed that. But about a week ago, last time I played, there were some times I was sitting in the lobby for several minutes, would have to restart. Um, hmm. some minor things though. I think campaign is pretty much a one-to-one recreation of campaign as you remember from the 360 so for people who like that you know that's exactly what you get on the 10 there has been a lot of buzz about the progression system changes to the matchmaking and i don't know much about that that. i don't know much about that because i don't really care all i'll say is that uh as far as the progression system goes it's really really annoying to find out what pieces of armor you have unlocked because you have you're presented with a menu it has like ten different sub menus for the different parts of your armor, and there's no way to like easily see without checking each sub menu what parts you have unlocked. Yep. But Vito, what what did you have to say about the progression system? Because I, I just know that there's been some controversy yeah, so, about it. I don't know so, much about it. 
I'm vaguely remembering the original uh, progression system, but I know it's changed. I remember it was a lot of fun, um, you know, getting new armor and everyone having their own custom Spartan. That was one of the best things about Reach, I remember. Um, now, so you unlock um, points, and instead of being able to just, like, choose what, what armor you want and buying it, you have to buy... You're forced to buy um, every piece in like a, a sort of um, sequential order. So, yeah. like you, you get points, and then you oh, open no. the unlock menu, and there's a season one. Uh, oh wow! I didn't know So like, but like you can't even choose to buy like um, I don't know, like uh, boots or whatever. I don't even know if there's boots, pants or boots, or whatever. You would have to buy like, let's say the order is like helmet, helmet. Helmet, uh... Oh my god. Uh, so you can't even, like, head. buy, like... You can't even do it, like, oh, okay, so... The the newbies are gonna first buy this set of armor, and then by the time you get to this set of armor, you know that the guy, like, knows what they're doing. You, you're literally buying pieces of armor in order. You're buying pieces of armor, and... Which I think you were doing before. You were still... But you could choose, like... Okay, you could I choose. Wanna, I'm gonna spend points to buy like shoulder pads, and I could only buy these because I'm only a certain level. I remember that. And there were like, also a lot of challenge gated things, right? Like, like right. You can play legendary to unlock this and that kind of thing. Yeah, all that's out the window now. You have to use points and buy every piece of armor in the game in a in a order that they've picked. It's like some sort of arbitrary order. I mean, I'm sure all the good stuffs at the end, obviously. But like, I'm sure it synergizes with a battle pass or something like that that they're planning. Yeah, it's a really dumb system. I've never seen anything like it. I don't like it. Um, I forgot about about that until you mentioned it. But it, it I, I all already don't care about upgrading the way my Spartan looks because of how frustrating it is. Did you wow. hear how they did and customization why did they in Halo Five? No, you, what did they do? loot boxes. <laughs> oh great! Like, basically, it was like a combination of loot boxes and like the like FIFA card system. Wow! So like you could unlock pieces with certain skins and stuff like I, that I it's it's just <laughs> yeah I, this is this is a step in the right direction but yeah in reach in reach uh definitely it was you, you certain armor unlocked at certain ranks for you to buy right but you you started with a variety enough that like everyone didn't look yourself. like base noble six yeah right <laughs> And right now, right now, everyone online looks like Noble Six. <laughs> right. All right. Um, okay. Well, I, I I just wanted to say that my my biggest problem in the game, and it actually ruins the game for me to an extent, is the DMR start. I know, like the the uh, community's roughly split, I think, um, but there's plenty of people that agree. It, I think, it ruins the game because this is a game that's, I mean. It's always been based around weapon pickups. You know, you excel oh, if, you, I see what if, you mean. if you get uh, that rocket launcher, that sword, you fight the other team to get to it first. But in this, you don't. There's no point in picking up. And you weapon start with map. like one of the best weapons of the game already. It's it's easily the best weapon in the game. You could take down a banshee with a DM. Right. I mean, right. because you just have to shoot at it. Um, it's not like in Halo One where you had to hit the driver, or maybe that was Halo Two as well. But like. You could just three guys with DMRs take out a banshee in seconds. So there's no point in getting in vehicles because they just get destroyed really easily. There's no point in picking up weapons. Uh, so it's just bland. Every game is just, uh, and I don't think it's a very like fun weapon either. Um, so that is actually ruining the game for me right now. I really wish they would just have assault rifle starts, like assault rifle pistol. 
just do that. What's the point? And someone made a, like, yeah. a comment like, oh, but then, um, you know, if the other team gets all the power weapons, then the, the, the game snowballs too quickly. But, like, well, I mean, that's that's how those games work. Like that's yeah, that's, it's like Gears of War or whatever. Like that's the whole point of the game. Like you gotta go get those. You don't need them, right? But, I mean, that provides that provides like, the strategy the strategy that you're yeah. organizing itself around. Sure. Yeah, and it, it and it makes you play the map. You know, right. if you don't have that, then it doesn't matter how intricate your map is, and you know, like these choke points don't exist anymore because you're not you're not fighting for certain points on the map. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you when I say this, so don't don't take this the wrong way because I completely agree with everything you said. If you tell I me think, you get good, no, I'm just saying that I think Halo has been a little bit different than most of those games in that the weapons are or the weapons, the vehicles are kind of also the power weapons. I mean, there there are power weapons, but the vehicles are power weapons, and I don't fully agree that the DMR takes out vehicles. Super easily, it can. It really does. I mean, but I, I, but I, I haven't played it a whole lot, though. I don't know that, about like a tank, but it will shred a ghost. It will shred a banshee, a warthog, especially on like big team uh, battle. Yeah, they definitely do damage to vehicles. I, I will. I I won't go so far as to say that it's the best weapon to pick up. Because there are there are weapons that do more damage to vehicles. For example, the rocket launcher in Reach locks on to flying vehicles, and takes them out in one hit, um, and or obviously using that against infantry in in close quarters is going to be a faster kill. Um, similar with like sniper rifle, um, and then in even closer ranges, the shotgun or sword are still going to be like worthwhile power weapons to pick up. Sure. While, while I agree that there's really not a whole lot of reason to to use the assault rifle unless you just ran out of bullets in your DMR, yeah, I mean, I don't, the DMR I don't think that close range, long range, medium range. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it does fine. At, at it's also ranges. making these these maps that have like large open uh, centers like it just destroys the map because just nobody goes in the middle because you will just get shredded by a DMR because everybody starts mm-hmm. with like a, a really long range weapon, you know? Sure, sure. There's one specific map that I'm thinking of too. I forget the name of it. It's like a, it was like a DLC map. I feel like if you couldn't zoom, that would fix a lot of the issues. If you couldn't like scope in. I think they should just assault yeah, rifle, maybe. pistol start. That would fix. I mean, I think that's how it was. In Halo Reach, maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. I think I, feel I like think it was a mix. I, like, I was gonna say like, I feel like DMR start is not a new thing. I could be wrong, but yeah. In I any case, three four three. There I was DMR were... Slayer. Sorry, go right, ahead. but that's a specific game mode though. It's not like that. You uh, know? Yeah, you are right. It was called DMR Slayer. It wasn't just Team Slayer. You're right. Um, so three three four three made a statement. I think you posted it, and they they talked about. Everything they're working on, that's not one of the things. Um, the audio stuff, they said they're working really hard to fix that. Um, what else? I, I, I feel like they don't necessarily see that as a fix, and that's a balanced thing that might be addressed down the line. But there's a lot of bugs and whatnot. I, I, I'm not bothered if they're fixing, actually fixing the game before fixing the balance myself. And I also don't know how much about the balance they want to touch. You know, I imagine they're going to want to keep yeah. it pretty much whatever is on the console. Mm-hmm. 
from my perspective, it's a uh, well, from a personal perspective rather than a technical or uh, design perspective, it's it's nice and nostalgic. I haven't played that much yet, but you know, it's nostalgic to go back to. I can't it wait to do the years. custom games. Yeah, that's yeah. gonna be fun. Yeah, for real. Um, All right. Although I'm like the the old. Uh, Frustration is surging back up after all these years. <laughs> like the For old, sure. oh God, come on, you know? Yep. <laughs> I haven't felt that in a while because it, it was so specific to like certain types of games for me. For sure. So, it's it's the getting killed when you spawn. It's the getting killed yeah. when you have to do a cool thing, you know? That's part of the I don't game, play though. that many of these games anymore. So this is a so, nice uh, uh, little flashback. So, unless anybody else had any other comment, I have. Yeah, that. the. Xbox Game Pass has a. Uh, Did you talk about the review? That is what I'm going to end. <laughs> okay, do it. <laughs> so, um, the Xbox Game Pass has one single review for uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. A, Which it's probably review. such a complete review that right. no one else is bothered. It encapsulates everything. It's a one out of five from Josh, posted on 12 21 2019. This is so stupid. Keep getting a anti-chi error when trying to play. This is extremely annoying and very stupid. Dumb game. Average rating 3.4 out of 5. You do the math there. I don't, I don't really agree Why with Why would that. you dox Josh like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh. All right. Yeah, he's right. It's a dumb game. Still got, a, still got a lot of show left, but let's give our podcasters a little break. Come back How and dare you discuss the news and some other things. All right, the uh, best co- podcast member is back. Glad to see no one's disputing that. Welcome back. We have a list in front of us with games coming out in 2020. Specifically the Wikipedia list, 2020 in video games, hashtag game releases. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's really the link. Oh shit! the link. But uh, this list is more games that me slash the other hosts here are interested in. There's plenty of other stuff coming out, um, and there's probably stuff that's coming out that's not been solidified in 2020 yet, and probably plenty of stuff that won't come out in 2020 that is currently slated for it. So yeah. let's just march down the list in semi chronological order. January, so none of us are actually interested in this game, but it's worth, <laughs> it's worth noting. So there's a Walking Dead VR game coming out called The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Why this is notable is that there's a second VR Walking uh, Dead game coming out called Walking Dead Onslaught. That game was initially due out in fall 2019, but and while it's really sad, I cannot find as has been confirmed is actually people speculate coming out within a few weeks of this game. So it's pretty we weird. We found that out by accident. <laughs> we were confused about why yeah. this is happening. So is I think the Flash... Walking Dead 
and Walking Dead are are the monikers because of like property licenses? Like, no, they're the uh, same. Thing. I'm not. I'm not sure if those are actually different monikers or if that is me. Um, not. Well, let me double check. Now, one of them here. is supposed to be based on the TV show, and one of them is supposed to be based on the comic book. So, okay, the they are both have... the Walking Dead, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're, they're, so they're, they're both the licensed. Thing, but... Right. Yes. So the Walking Dead onslaught. Well, let me just pull up both C pages. The Walking Dead onslaught is being made by Servios, Servios, and that game is based on the AMC show. Right. Then that uh, show still ongoing. I uh, can't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> no uh, one has any idea anymore. Right. Something is. I'm sure. Some of this shambling along still. Uh, Saints and Sinners is based on the comic books and is being developed and published by Skydance Interactive. Um, I don't know anything about that. Uh, so Skydance Interactive, I this can't be a misprint because it's on Steam, but I know I think Skydance Interactive is like a subset or is closely related to Skybound Entertainment, which is the company that picked up. The Walking Dead final season and finished it for Telltale after Telltale went. Well, so, Skybound huh. is uh, is uh, Robert Kirkman's, Kirkman's uh, comic yeah. book imprint, and then Skybound Interactive is the video game company of. So maybe this imprint. is just uh, misprinted here because same page is clearly calling it Skydance Interactive. Well, Skydance is an actual film studio. So There's oh, a studio okay, called so Skydance. So it's Skydance in collaboration with Skybound. That's I guess. <laughs> anyway, don't really have anything to say about that. Yeah, Just, no. Interesting. There's two VR Walking Dead games coming out very <laughs> quick or very close to together. each other. Yes, and they'll both sell great. Uh, I'm sure yeah. they'll. Uh, March we have Ori Two. I've not played the first game, but I've heard a lot of good things, Neither and it's I. in a genre I would like. Um, Neo 2. I'll probably play it someday. Neo 2 looks like a great three player co op game. I've not played the first game, but I hear it's a great game for Souls fans. <laughs> Doom Eternal is coming out. Doom 2016 yeah. got great reviews. I know Vita really I'm excited that. for that. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited too. Doom and 2016 Doom, was great. And on the same day, Doom 64 is getting a re release, which is fun. I had no idea that was happening. But hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if that's being packaged with Doom Eternal or if that's just a totally separate thing. But it is a legitimate re-release on PC and shit. Huh. So we'll see. That's that's interesting. Half-Life Alex, which time pinning, I've got some more stuff to say about, uh, is also slated for March 2020. Animal Crossing: New Horizons, which I think Eric added to the list. You looking forward to that? Yeah, right? I wrote that. I've always been an Animal Crossing fan. Have you played all of the games? I have not played uh, the 3DS uh, New Leaf. I played oh, all the other ones, I but I never had a 3DS. There, I, I hope that they... I, I've seen a decent amount of gameplay from like E3 footage, which is really kind of the last time they showed off the game. And they're changing some things. I hope they're changing more than it actually looks like, because I played the first game back in like 2001 yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. 2002... <laughs> and really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the games after that, but they really didn't change much. And right. so I'm hoping this time around <laughs> there's some difference in gameplay. It looks like there's a... So first of all, there's like a big crafting system 
Um, secondly, it looks like you can kind of pick up and move your house wherever you want. Yeah, and thirdly, that, uh, it looks like you can kind of customize your whole island pretty well. So, One would hope that um, Stardew Valley is putting a lot of pressure on them to innovate and at least do as well as Stardew has done with that genre. Yeah, I mean, they certainly put the Harvest Moon games to shame. <laughs> I have an I have an unrealistic yeah. dream that one day they'll go back to the style of uh, map movement that they used in the very first title, and oh, do it was like this the, uh, the the globe type system, the the, uh-huh. the wheel. You're on a wheel, you know, basically. I always loved right. the uh, the uh, quadrant uh, mm-hmm. version they used in the first game. I always liked that more, but they'll never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why it's called New Horizons? That seems to presume that there's something fundamentally new about the game. But um, I think so. The whole premise of the game is that you're invited um, by Nook and company to basically pick up and start a new life on an island, and then start from uh, scratch. Yeah. So you start with like a tent. <laughs> Right. And so there's there's a little more of like an outdoorsy kind of like survivally beginning and like hmm. turning nothing into a village as opposed to gotcha. in the previous games you either started with a village that already existed or um, like in New Leaf you became mayor but like the village already was there whereas now this time you're kind of you're starting from nothing. Huh. All right. Cool. All right. Looks like in April we have Resident Evil Three remake. Yeah, uh, that that was really cool. And so, um, this is not on our news topic, but I saw a news article that you guys might want to check out at some point that talked about Resident Evil Three, the original game, and how the game's development had started, and for pretty much the entire game's development, it was assumed it was going to be a spinoff. So that's why I mean, I'm no Resident Evil fan. So I mean, no Resident Evil hardcore fan. So I didn't realize these things. But I don't the know game, why this the is- game. Did- Ahead, Why this sorry. is news? Because this was always known. Like if you if you knew stuff about Resident Evil Three, you probably knew this factoid that it was well, that the Resident I, Evil Three was supposed to be the spinoff and Code Veronica was supposed to be the next game. But then they I made Resident that, uh, Evil Three main title and uh, then held off on Code Veronica to the next generation of consoles. I, I, I think yeah. I, I didn't know that, but I think the news bit here is the parallels that people are drawing between that story and what's happening with the remake. Where okay. the whole point of Resident Evil 3 was to be a quick turnaround, low budget thing, and Resident Evil 2 remake came out last year, and presumably Resident Evil 3 remake was only greenlit after the Resident Evil 2 remake was shown to be successful. So, you, basically, Resident Evil 3 remake, it, similar to the original game, is facing a loft, lofty expectations with a really quick turnaround time. I see. So we'll have to see how well they capture the lightning with the second. Or with the remake of Resident Evil Three, but you know, I but there's something I don't, I, parallel there, right? I don't know. And then before I even read that article, I, I gotta say I was a little nervous about Resident Evil Three remake being announced to come out so soon because mm-hmm. everything I know about game development says that you don't turn around games that quickly and have them end up being solid products. But maybe yeah. I'm totally wrong. Yeah. Maybe they've been working on it a lot longer than I thought. Maybe it's a lot easier now they've got the Resident Evil 2 game engine to make all the assets and everything they need for Resident Evil 3. Yeah, they have mechanics already so. for Nemesis, maybe. Or right. Boston. I don't know. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. 
Cyberpunk 2077 also comes out in April. I think we're all pretty hyped for that. Definitely my most anticipated game of the year. Built on your computer specifically for this. (laughs) Go ahead, Vito. I love CD Projekt Red. Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. I think Cyberpunk is going to be underwhelming. Calling it here. You heard it here, folks. Uh, December 22nd. Vito. It's honestly a fairly safe bet, just considering how much momentum and hype is around it now. Like it has to be insanely good to not feel overwhelming at this point. I feel you know, at least in some respects. Like Cyberpunk is, to me at least, one of my most anticipated games of all time. You know, and I feel like I feel that a lot with the online community too. That's a dangerous, uh, you know, formula. Absolutely, it is. The trick is to just have an abject disappointment about everything in your life, and then when something good comes around, it surprises you. Yeah, they really should have made The Witcher 3 bad. <laughs> That's one yeah, weird that trick. Class. That's my developer's game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I don't think we have much to say about that. It's just we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, we're just looking Vito. forward to it. Except for Vito, who absolutely hates CD Projekt Red and everything they stand for. Yeah, and is going to yes. hate that game no matter what happens. Right, right, as right. we're aware. Moving on, uh, Gears Tactics is also coming out in April. That game, I know John is really excited about He's not here right now. That's XCOM-style Gears of War. I like XCOM-style games. I'm not super partial to Gears of War, but I like the first three games. So, you know, Same that's boat. good. I'll play it. You Wasteland do. 3 comes out in May. I'm really excited for that game. That's probably number 3 on this list is my most anticipated. Uh, number 1 being Cyberpunk. Um, Wasteland 2 was a really great combat, or CRPG, classic RPG, I guess is what it's usually referred to as. Isometric, uh, party-based, uh, quasi-XCOM system, I guess it is pretty XCOM-like. Strategy, RPG, whatever, I don't know. Great game. The Last of Us 2 is also coming out in May. Uh, I, I think maybe all of us played the original Last of Us. I have. I did. Sure. Yep. Twice. I, I can't yeah, remember. We might have talked about The Last of Us 2 at some point. No, we did. Yeah, we, we, we did like the first or second episode. I think the first episode we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we That's have my some most there. anticipated game of the year. Right. So listen to that one. Uh, that's it for <laughs> scheduled releases, games that have a hardcore release date. Um, there are, what, half a dozen games here that I have on the list that don't actually have set release dates, but are uh, slated to come out in 2020. One is 12 Minutes. That was a game that I don't know much about, but the E3 trailer really wowed me. I don't know if you guys remember this game. It's Right, I do remember that, yeah. It's, it's the game where a guy seems to be in a Groundhog Day loop. With his, oh yeah! With his girlfriend or his wife, mm-hmm. and he's like, "In twelve minutes, somebody's going to come kill us." I need, I need to know everything about this one thing. And it happened. takes place in a single room, I think. Right, right. Entire game. It's about navigating so the puzzle game. And all that. Top down. Right. Oh, that game looked fucking awesome. Yeah. Is it top down? I can't remember. Yeah, it's just a top down view of a room. Yeah. Okay. Their apartment. Yeah. It looks spooky. It looks like there's it's obviously some sort of puzzle game. I'm super stoked. For Axiom Verge 2. So Axiom Verge 1 is a game that I don't even think is a super great game. And there are certainly better games in its genre. It's a Metroid, it's a sci-fi Metroidvania game. But it was still really cool. I'm excited to see what the guy does with Axiom Verge 2. Especially knowing that Axiom Verge 1 was 
such a cool little game uh, made by one guy. I'm excited what he, to see what he does if he's got some more budget and maybe some people to help help him write a better story and balance out some of his gameplay mechanics. Did did anybody except for me play Axiom Bridge? Nope. No. I didn't, know. Uh, I didn't think so. It kind of went under the radar. My older brother recommended it to me. It's pretty good. I've heard of it. Crusader Kings 3 is coming out, which Cal talked about uh, at length on the first episode, so check that out. Um, Destroy All Humans is coming out, and I think that's pretty much a strict remake of the PS2 game, which I'm kind of disappointed in, because I was hoping it would be a uh, reboot, or like, mm-hmm. you know, take take that, that game, make something new with it, but I guess a yeah. pretty strict remake. I mean, it was a fun game. I didn't it's a very really fun game. I just you know. What I don't think it'll it? hold up. Like if it's just a, like a so straight really. up remaster, I like gameplay is aged. <laughs> I yeah. played it again maybe a couple of years ago for a little bit with a couple of friends on the couch, and yeah, it play it plays like an old Grand Theft Auto game in some ways. Like it's very sure. clunky. So we'll see. They're trying to yeah. hit that that nostalgia bomb that yep. everyone's remaking all the games right now. <laughs> we got Psychonauts 2 coming out. Sequel to Flask's very ah. Which, uh, I think Flask and I, we, we certainly haven't talked about this podcast, but I've talked amongst each other about how there are reasons to uh, be concerned. We'll oh no, really? Oh no. <laughs> well, my reasons to be concerned are mostly like I can't even remember exactly everything I noticed, but you just shattered there, Flask's world. There was some yeah. initial no. like, gameplay what? stuff that that made it that made me wonder, like, are they going to do anything? Is this you? You know what it was? Is I know, I know the setting isn't at the camp, and I'm not saying it should be at the camp again. But I was it, it didn't seem like it, I was wondering if it would have that kind of cohesiveness, like a uh, I don't know. I have really unstructured thoughts about it, and it's been a while since I've thought about it. Okay. I want to say is I have a negative association with it because I'm worried about something about the world building. And I can't okay. remember what that was. For me, I have completely neutral association with it until it comes out. <laughs> like, I have gotcha. no... It's, I'm completely middle of the road until I actually see the product. Even though Fair it's enough. my favorite... It's a sequel to my favorite game. Like, that doesn't make any difference. Gotcha. I just, you know, I hope it's good. I think Tim Burton will do a good job. Usually he pulls through and makes uh, good weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Um, For the most part. <laughs> so this was a list of games that are being That was a released. joke. It's not really Tim Burton, right? I kind of pulled that on my ass. Oh, you said it's, Tim uh, Burton. It's actually Tim I said Burton. Tim Burton. He did say oh, Tim Burton. <laughs> His name's Tim I, Schaefer? I, uh, yeah. No, it's Tim, it's Tim I was what, I got a little scared. To be honest, I was just kind of blocking you out, so... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so Vito, yeah. This was a list of stuff that is released in 2020 as full games. I didn't really look through any early access stuff. I just know that early access Bannerlord, Mountain Blade Bannerlord, is coming out next year. I think next March, and I'm I'm pretty hyped for that. That's my number two most anticipated game Ooh. in uh, 2020. So for me, at least out on this list, Cyberpunk, Bannerlord, and Wasteland Three. Okay. All right, yeah, but you know, 2020 is only 10 days away ish, so we'll have to see what? how that goes. You I have to do some stuff. Sorry, guys. 
You guys ready to move on to the news? Yes. Sure are. Alright, Flask, play the news jingle, please. Alright. So, we're going to start off with a few follow-up stories from the Game Awards 2019. Uh, first off, in uh, remembrance of our king, John, what? King oh. of Keeley. <laughs> He couldn't be with us today. He is on his God uh, rest his soul. On a trip back to the homeland to He was drawn and quartered in the square. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He said a lot of strong stuff about Subway last episode and our listeners did not take that very kindly. Uh no but for real, John is the King of Keeley. Uh congrats to him. If you want to hear us talk more about the game awards that happened last week, check out episode four. But we touched on a few topics, games that were announced there, and there's been some clarifications, follow-up news about a few of those things. So, first off, The Wolf Among Us 2, a game I think we're all excited for. There was an article that came out shortly after the Game Awards, uh, I think actually last Friday, maybe, uh, on rebuilding Telltale. And I think that's a pretty interesting article. The guy, so, the whole story here is that this company, LCG Entertainment, uh, approached the entity that had the rights to Telltale, or owned whatever Telltale was when it was like a smoldering fire, and they bought Telltale and have uh, spun up a new studio with the name Telltale uh, that does not have a whole lot of the creative talent of Telltale, I understand, and has a completely different management team. some people? They picked up some people, like I think a third of the team is from the form of Telltale. So one of the articles I read described it much more like necromancy than like uh, regen- re- regeneration or what, however you want to call yes. it, resurrection. Um, because it's a different company that is propping up this Telltale name. Um, so they did have one quote, though, about this topic. Of course, we're frustrated by people who have suggested this is opportunistic or simply a money grab for the catalog of games without even giving us a chance, Audley said. We have all jumped into this with the intention of standing the company back up and continuing the legacy of telling stories that people want to play. However, most of this was expected, and really all we can do is put our heads down and focus on making great content worthy of the Telltale name. The only other thing I picked up uh, on these few articles about that is that they clarified that this Wolf Among Us 2 is actually a different project than the one that was announced uh, when Telltale was in its final days. So I guess what that means is that this is not the same story, concept, or whatever they had drafted. It's a totally new thing. Hmm. So, um, But this game is being made in collaboration with a studio that I'm blanking on the name of and I can't find it ad hoc ad hoc yeah that does have a lot of the talent that made wolf among us so you know i'm cautiously optimistic i'll say as someone who has read all of the fables comic uh i i hope that it's better than the first one (laughs) like i i hope that it uh i hope they don't fuck it up basically And when you say that, I think that you're giving people an impression that you didn't like the first game. And that's not true at all. No, no, no. It's just like... Like we said in the previous discussion about Wolf Among Us, they kind of fucked it up in like the, the doing of it. <laughs> and the putting yeah. together of the pieces. And I, I just I, I just want like... 
I don't know. I felt like with the first game, I didn't really need the backstory, but it was cool to see. And then this is going to be like a sequel to the backstory that we've. I don't know. I I just. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's better, more cohesive. Yeah, we're you know, I do too. But at the same time, there's part of me that is just saying like. Man, am I glad that there is content being made in that universe right now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, like there's definitely part of me that like good or bad. I'm glad that it's being made. I thought it was um, crazy that anything Fables was adapted in the first place. So I, yeah. I had never even heard of it before the first game. The the Fables comic have. series. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think but it yeah, was no. definitely the most creative uh, adaptation that Telltale, Telltale decided to pick up so far. Mm-hmm. For sure. No most obscure property. So, like best of luck to game. the new company. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan of the Minecraft game, Vito? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly fits your uh, particular type of neurosis. Moving on, <laughs> uh, there's also a game that is called Weird West. And I didn't realize this at the time, but did you guys know that Weird West is also the genre name for the genre that game is clearly trying to evoke. I am aware of the genre. Yeah. Okay. So, Weird West, the game and the genre is basically just like a mixing of um, hardcore Western aesthetic with like the occult and supernatural Cthulhu type stuff. And that game looks really cool. I bring it up because at the time we talked about how it's being made by Dishonored devs and how that was kind of ambiguous. I think it's actually being made by like the uh, co-leads on Dishonored and on Prey. And That's the impression I got. Yeah. Right. So it, it it's not just a you know attaching their names to a project. Those are really the brain trust behind that those games. And uh, Chris Avalon has been attached to the writing of that game, which. You know, what's that say about video game stories that we have our magic video game RPG story man and whenever he gets attached to things we get excited <laughs> because we he has the cred. You know, there's there's few, there's few names in the I can't name a single other writer in the industry off the top of my head at least. Well okay. I can, but not really I used to be able to, but whatever. <laughs> Look only now one, it's like whatever. Only other one I thought of was Mark Laidlaw, and that's because of the yeah, half life yeah. stuff. All right, the other final follow-up news story I have. This one kind of caught me by surprise because <laughs> I, I did not interpret this at all in the announcement, but the new Microsoft console, it's actually called just Xbox. It's oh, yeah, called I the Xbox. Oh, yeah. And the that. first hmm. edition of that console is the Series X. So much like a Cars and shit, like there's next going to be like a Series Y or something like that. So Series X is just like the base model of the Xbox. Hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, is I, there I think be it, any confusion? I don't think so. Uh, I Maybe. I don't think there's going to be confusion <laughs> so long as they like stick to a naming scheme for longer than a generation. Like this seems all right. Like just stick with this now. You know what I mean? Like they went from Xbox to Xbox 360 to Xbox One to Xbox. Like. They they are obviously having a hard time figuring out how to keep this brand. I feel like they've always wanted people strong. to just say the Xbox, right? Just, yeah. just like Xbox. But then when they did the 360, 
they saw people start to call it the 360 and they're like oh shit that's like an identifiable thing that's cool and so then they named the xbox one with the idea that people would call it the one but of course people <laughs> called it people called it just xbox or xbone so they were like oh no that didn't work so then now i think they're just really trying to go back to we just wanted to be called the Xbox. We just wanted pe- people to say yeah, Xbox. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like they would say I've Nintendo. I've only ever called them Xbox, and that's what I'm gonna call it. Yeah. I, I did like the meme I saw on Reddit though of um, it, sh- it was like showed the Xbox Series X on an XY grid, and it was like, no, look, it's longer <laughs> in the Y direction. It should be the Xbox Series Y. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I heard. Did they say that they have like over 200 devs working on exclusives or something like that? That's the only important information I got out of that. Because the only yeah. way I'm buying another console, uh, or I'm sorry, I- I'll buy a Sony console. But the only only reason I'll buy a Microsoft console is if they fucking dig down and start delivering some good exclusives. I mean, really, for all of us, games. that's really the only time that we'd any of us would really get a console again is if we're. If we're really looking forward to some exclusive that's not coming to PC, right? Yeah, well, sure. I got a PS4 for that. Re- like that's the know, reason. I was, yeah. I was right. on the PC for a long time, and and I had moved away from consoles. Thought I was never going to go back, and then Sony had all these exclusives that I couldn't get. So that was a, re- a good deal. I enjoyed my my PS4 for sure. Yeah, and I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like exclusives, that's all that really matters to me as a uh, PC gamer. You know. Um, I did end had, up using my PS4 as kind of a media center, but in like only certain ways. Right, and that's more out of convenience because you already have it. You're yes, not going to go out and yes. buy a console for that reason. Especially with like the amount of dongles that would love to do that for you at you know mm-hmm. for twenty, thirty bucks. It's, it's and the yeah. consoles I think behave the same way if you're using it as a media center. Oh yes, yeah, yeah for the most yeah. part, yeah. Especially anymore. Like, I feel like when this generation started, uh, I, just, I don't really remember all the different features, but I feel like Xbox definitely had more, like, home entertainment TV options. I don't, I, mm-hmm. Sony has probably gotten there by now. I've heard that it was always kind of good in that regard. Yeah. All right. Um, this topic is kind of just interesting to me. I don't know if you guys are going to resonate with it. Uh, there is a bit of data mining done. I don't know if that's the right word for specifically what was employed here to get to some unseen content in Silent Hills PT. That was the demo oh, yeah, that went crazy about a few years ago. Um, the biggest thing that surprised me was just like, damn, how good it looked actually. And like that shouldn't even be yeah. surprising, but like this was an area completely outside the demo that was never meant to be accessed. But the lighting on the flashlight, the environments. It was not just unsettling, but it also evoked a specific Silent Hill 2 vibe to me. So, it was clearly, A, really nailing that horror aesthetic, and B, also, like, faith- faithful to what a Silent Hill game is. So, you know, just further adds to the tragedy that that game's never going to be made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's However, funny that even as a demo, that, that game shows up on people's, like, top horror games of all time. Oh, yeah, and honestly, yeah, in, in some ways, the whole, like, like they had to take it down and they canceled yeah, it kind of yeah. adds, like, it gets that, yeah. like, it's yeah, the for forbidden sure. game <laughs> kind of thing. Adds, it adds to the fervor behind it, for sure. 
And yeah. the the sickening the sickeningly I don't know bittersweet thing about it is that you could imagine a company seeing that kind of call forever and then going, oh, we got to make this, but it's just never going to happen because what it, what the game is would not be anything without Kojima, and there's just never going to be the right situation where Kojima is going to have the rights to do that thing. Even if right. he did, he probably wouldn't want to at this point. I mean, those years ago. Right, but. As uh, we saw on Twitter. Right. He is saying, quote, As to make the scariest horror game, I'll watch the scary movies in order to awaken my horror soul. The Eye is the Thai horror movie I rent when <laughs> making PT, but was too scary to finish watching. The package is scary, so I rented the disc only. Will I be able to finish <laughs> watching? the part. <laughs> This guy who made this, this <laughs> yeah, game right? that's, like, terrifying. Couldn't even finish the horror movie. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the eye, too. That was, like, in the way. Yeah, I feel of, like I uh, saw it, and it was okay. Asian was, horror yeah. films back in the early 2000s. It was, like, Shudder or that other movie. Yeah. Saw, right? Yeah. We've talked about Death Stranding quite a bit on the podcast by this point, but I gotta say that if you take what people really love about Death Stranding and think about that for a second, I think that you might arrive at the same conclusion I am that Kojima would probably be really fucking good at making a horror game. Like, it seems like the notes that people, that resonate with people in Death Stranding is like atmosphere, you know, the world building and all that. Like, that's all the things that you really need to care about in order to make a horror game feel right. So I would love to see his effort in that regard. Yeah. Absolutely. Even given the the middling response to Death Stranding, I I would be very hyped to see him take on that genre. Same. Alright, we I have a follow-up to Half-Life Alex, which I think we discussed a bit in Episode 2. Mm-hmm. The game has since been VR-tested. Um, the channel tested, got a hold of it on several different systems. I'm not, a, I'm not a big VR head, and our VR heads are not on this podcast, so I won't uh, try to take any authority, or I won't try to assume any authority here and you know comment on that, other than to say that people seem to think it looks really good. We commented bef- earlier about motion sickness. Uh, Vito, I think you might be alright in that regard, because the game is going to have multiple different ways of traveling through the world. One of which is is kind of like just teleport to move. So there's push so push to move and teleport to move are two different movement systems in VR games generally. And push to move is basically like you push a button on the joystick and you actually move. Teleport is you like point at an area and then you're there. So push to move is actually what causes motion sickness, not teleport to move. Because motion sickness is caused by the difference in acceleration of velocity that your brain's expecting that you would feel and the acceleration of velocity that you actually feel. So if you're pushing to move, you're going to be feeling acceleration of velocity, whereas if you teleport to move, your um, frame of reference is all... You're moving at zero miles per hour relative. Even when you're like moving your head around to look, that doesn't add to the nausea. Like, I don't know. No. I know that the majority of people who experience nausea is because of what I just said. I don't know if there is also nausea associated with just moving yeah, your head and whatnot. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's good to know. I would hope that I could play the game with the push to move because I feel like that's. Probably the way, yeah. Teleporting, like thing. I think that's yeah. Lame, but it feels pretty cheap. Yeah, it does. But I think it's just a necessity in VR games right now. You know what I mean? 
Well, how did RE7 do you push to move? I think RE7 did it, but... I think RE7 just did push to move, but that was one of the things that people had an issue with in that game. Oh, okay. I would look at it as more like a... I would look at it as a little bit more of like an accessibility option, I believe, than a, you mm-hmm. know, a standard. I, sure I don't need anything. <laughs> I hesitate... I hesitate to call this next part, this little list I have, under Half-Life Alex News, because I've heard this from various sources, and I've not corroborated all of it. A lot of it seems to be based on just stuff that insiders have been talking about. Um, so, you know, this is, may all be hearsay. But here is some stuff that seems to be likely very true about Half-Life Alex. Time travel is... I, I think almost certainly going to be a component in the game. Valve has said to play episode two first, and some of the cinematic trailers show glimpses of the episodes, even though the game is takes place before Half-Life 2. Um, and, and Mark Laidlaw's little story thing, he described the Borealis, that ship that you saw at the end of episode two, as in a place frozen, stuck in time. So there's already been right. some seeds laid there. The team at Campo Santo, who made Firewatch, is very likely involved. That team was acquired by Valve a couple years ago. And people have noticed that very recently uh, they have changed their Twitter bios and their resumes or whatever to say that they are working on an untitled Valve game as opposed to um, whatever the working title for their game was. So they were bought to make a game for Valve. And it seems like at some point that game was shelved and and or is not being made. And now they're working on, quote, untitled Valve games. So people are thinking that they were really bought to work on Half-Life Alex, or that's what they're doing now. Um, and that is in line with other speculation that uh, the t- team making this game is the largest team to ever make a game at Valve, even bigger than the team at Dota 2, uh, with wow. a full, full one-third of people working on that team having worked on previous Half-Life games. On a, on a previous episode, we discussed how there wasn't very many folks like that left, but I, I want to specify that I think we were talking about um, creative leads and executives back then. These are, you know, everyone, so our team, programmers, and all, whatnot. The game has likely been in development since 2013. There's a VR game called Codename Shooter that was originally intended to be included on the HTC Vive Labs, which I think was a set of Basically, physics toolkits kind of showing off the power of the headset. Um, that game was actually never released with the labs. It was pulled for some unknown reason. Um, I think Valve News Network, which has been like the primary outlet covering Half-Life 3 news forever, uh, has some evidence that Codename Shooter DNA is clearly in Half-Life Alex. So all that's to say, this seems to be a major project. They seem to have been working on it for five or six years. Um, beforehand in episode two, I'd said that this almost felt like a PR poll that I didn't really feel the half-life from this, but if all this stuff is true, then I'd kind of recant what I said there because it seems like a much more significant effort than I first gleaned. You know what I mean? And maybe part of that is cause like I'm not generally interested in VR stuff anyway. So this stuff was never going to super appeal to me, but as a half-life fan, I, I think there's in- reasons to be ex- interested at the very least. 
I was stoked from the uh, the first little teaser trailer, and now I'm like, I'm really thinking this is going to be a really great game. Very excited. Hopefully, it's good. Flask, do you feel neutral about it until it's out? <laughs> yeah, but also because say, of I'm the be... my my personal like history with this uh, property, as I've stated in the previous episode. Right, is kind of rocky. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the big gameplay thing that I didn't realize from the trailer, which is obvious now, is Alex has gravity gauntlets, which is just like a gravity gun except for your hands. That's kind of cool. Wow, for your hands? Yeah, it's a sh- that's what those were. Shame that that technology was lost to time before Gordon <laughs> wo- woke up. Yeah. No, no, no. You see, she goes forward in time and grabs them from herself. All right. We've got a few more news topics here, but uh, I'm going to kind of breeze through the next three because they're kind of just, you know, the headline says it all. This one I, I saw today, I think it's really interesting. CD Projekt stock has jumped 21,000% this decade, beating that's all other much. major companies in Europe. Wow. That's a, that's a not Wait, even a what? number. I didn't even know that they were yeah. a public company. Beating all other major gaming companies? This headline says all other companies. It was published by um, no way. Bloom- Bloomberg. Well, I mean, it, it's talking about sheer growth. You know what I mean? So if you have a team of five people that make a game, and then all of a sudden it blows up, and you, you know, I, I I think it's understandable. Okay, so it's saying it, they had the highest growth out of uh, all. Has po- Poland CD Projekt SA, that. maker of the Witcher role-playing computer game, has posted a return of 21,000% since the end of 2009, the biggest jump by far of any stock currently listed in the Stocks Europe 600 Index. That makes sense to me, considering they have this game, this huge thing coming out after their last huge thing. Right. And all right. of their efforts. Right. Otherwise. They got that Keanu money. I mean, yeah. Witcher 1 was fairly underground. Then Witcher 2 was kind of like a meteoric success. Then Witcher Three was an was another level higher type of meteoric mm. success, and then I'm sure they've got like a shitload of investor money for Cyberpunk. Like it, it makes sense, you know. But stock one... went up thirty seven percent today alone. I think. Wow. Yeah. How many percents can a company go? That kind of growth, you got to get worried That's though. You know, if it falls, it falls hard. So hopefully, Cyberpunk is good. Remember, I can't count, so... So take right. our expert advice and uh, short these stocks. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if you can actually... Well, oh, you can say that, but now that you've said that, you can't do that. Right. Right. We're, we're, we, we care a lot about the law here. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> right. <laughs> some job postings at, Re- at uh, Remedy Entertainment, at Respawn Entertainment... Indicate that a new Fallen Order sequel is probably already in the works, considering what we've already said about Fallen Order and how it's the f- fastest-selling Star Wars game of all time. That is a no-brainer. Of course, they're going to make sequels to that. Rise of the Fallen Order. <laughs> Fall oh, of the Risen good, Order. Dude. Wait, did you read that somewhere? That's the name of the next thing. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Wait, Fallen. Oh. I hope, oh, okay. it's, uh, I hope it takes more inspiration from the other games and just like it's. I haven't. I, I shouldn't be saying that. I haven't played this game yet. I'm going to. I haven't played it yet. But 
Hopefully, it, hope no, not yet. But hopefully, they take the the complaints into account and just like make just shore up those things and make a, an even sure. better game. Mm-hmm. That's what we would hope, right? Uh, <laughs> this one, yikes! Expect seven or eight Dungeons and Dragons games in the future. And on the TGA podcast, I said that I was down for more Dungeons and Dragons games. I don't know if I'm down for seven or eight in the near future. <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> you know, what does that Consume. mean? Consume. Well, okay, it's counting Baldur's Gate 3, for example, being made by Larian sure. Studios. Right. They, the, the company behind this said that that was their easiest decision. It counts Dark Alliance, which was shown at the Game Awards with the hardcore music trailer. Super And cool. I don't know... <laughs> I, you know, I, Sick. I assume that just means that uh, the company has experienced a research interest in video games. It is now contracting out a lot of different people to make stuff in the Forbidden Realms. Yeah. Or Forgotten Realms. Which one is it? I can never remember. Forgotten. Forgotten Realms, yeah. Yeah, right? I forgot. <laughs> uh, I forget I mean, which... ho- Hopefully some of them are good. Baldur's Gate 3 is probably going to be good. Can't say anything about the rest of them. What I really want them to do is to is release, not? like, literally just, like, a giant sandbox so that people can create their own, like, D&D-style games within it. Like, that's <laughs> that's my real that dream. Is going to happen. Like, Divinity 2's uh, GM maker feels like a step towards that. Yeah, absolutely. They should definitely take inspiration from that because I think that would really take the whole thing to the next level. But just in general too, it doesn't surprise me that, that D&D are, are making a whole bunch of games because in general um, it's had a, a resurgence in popularity. Like lots oh, of people yeah, are, sure. are doing D&D again, so they're just capitalizing. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. I was looking for a Baldur's Gate 3 release date because I was like, oh, you know what? You didn't talk about that in the previous section about games in 2020, so I guess it's not 2020. Um, I went to Google it and I accidentally Googled Baldur's Game 3. Nice. Not the name, not the name of the game. But I, I didn't know this though. This is, I guess, old news, but uh, those devs at Larian were uh, working on another Divinity game, like a tactics game, but they, they put it on hold so they could work on Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, I didn't know that. So I, I feel conflicted, but I'm, I'm excited for Baldur's, Gate th- Baldur's Game 3. Baldur's Game 3, is, yeah. Probably be pretty good. Uh, hey. Hey. Yeah? Hi. The president of Wizards of the Coast is named Chris Cox, and it's not spelled C-O-X. Oh, that's, oh, that's unfortunate. That? <laughs> it's too bad. I, I was reading, the like, in the end of the article, and I hadn't read the beginning. So you can imagine my confusion <laughs> when it quoted him. We have a ton of lore, says Cox. Yeah. <laughs> what an unfortunate anyway. stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, right, final news story for the night. Time Magazine published a list of best games of 2010, or best games of the 2010. <laughs> I can't you doxed Chris Cox. <laughs> um... I'm so sorry. Time Magazine is not a magazine I typically associate with video game opinions, but it's, you know, culturally, culturally super relevant, so I figured we might just run down the list, give a few comments here or there. Um, the list is Grand Theft Auto V, Definitely. The Le- 
Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Definitely. Fortnite. <laughs> Dark Souls, definitely. I can't, I'm looking at this list, I can't disagree with any of them except... The League of Legends. Pokemon Go. Minecraft. The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Portal 2. And Disco Elysium. Yeah, I think Portal but, 2 is also an interesting choice. I think it is too. I, I, I don't know... I mean, Portal 2 was like was like internet famous and it was also a really good game but i don't yeah. know why it elevates it to like a landmark cultural i mean there's a lot of memes about it i guess i don't know Maybe i would disagree with it, it i mean i think i think portal was the original idea to portal 2 added some other stuff to it but like it wasn't the innovator you know yes right for sure i was so. surprised um surprised not to see red dead 2 on this list honestly um, I don't even know. If, I wouldn't even consider that like my best game of the 2010s. But for what a good open world game it is that came out towards the end of the decade, um, a decade full of open world games, and surprised it's not on the list. I'm trying to think of other stuff that I would have put, but I don't know. Disco Elysium was the one that surprised me the most, and I oh, liked sure. that game from what I played. But man. I was not expecting a little indie game to end up on best Time Magazine's decade? best of the decade. I mean, and yeah. they, sorry, like, this is this is this not. Out? By the way, this is not an ordered list. This is not saying Disco Elysium is number one. This is just you know, right. uh, a, a disordered a people, list of the hits. A lot of people are speculating that that's just to like future proof the list. Yeah, for when Disco maybe. Elysium, you know, inevitably becomes a, a you know a historical impact game. Hmm. Um, I don't want to read it out loud here, to be... but, uh, they do have a few paragraphs talking about Disco Elysium, uh, and I think they provide a pretty good argument for why they include it on their list. I just didn't expect it to be there. Oh, ba- basically, I, <laughs> I mean, I can, it's, it's a lot to maybe read out though. No, you don't, uh, have, to. You don't have to. I think just, you know, check out the time list if you're curious. Uh, I, I guess I'll say, read out the last bit here. Disco Elysium is proof of what video games fans have known for years. That the medium has special strength and can unique and can tell unique stories you won't see on TV or read in a book. It's a game that highlights how all video games are art. I definitely think that it's a powerful that statement. is true. Well, I mean, I'm not playing enough to like evaluate the weight behind that statement, but the idea that Disco Elysium is truly a type of game and story that can only be done as a video game, I completely agree with that. You know, actually, on that token, I'm surprised The Walking Dead is not in place of Portal 2. That, yeah, you know what? That yeah. is a much better choice, I agree. It's, I mean, it basically spawned a genre of games like that. Yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. it's not fair to... Maybe the reason why that's not fair to say, for example, like how Dark Souls spawned a genre of games like that, is that many slash most of the games like Walking Dead were made by the same company that made Walking Dead. I don't know if that's mm. like part of the consideration, but there are many Perhaps. companies making Dark Souls-like games anymore and co- incorporating those elements into their games. You know, yeah. I don't know. I just think Walking Dead was also sort of like a cultural phenomenon for a while. Sure. I'm just trying. I'm racking my brain and kind of had that whole brain, but I'm video like, games as art thing going for it. I'm just thinking about why Skyrim's on the list. Not that I'm disagreeing, but like. Oh, dude! I don't think <laughs> I think it's because of how many times it was. I think it's because of how many times. 
element, I think. Right. All these are the cultural element. For, well, right. except well, they are saying the best games the of game. 2010. They're not talking about the most... most or right, but... Of the, of the 2010s. Right, but... Not the most popular. I think, I think, yeah. uh, I think that is something that we have to read through the lens of a non-video game outlet writing about video games. Yeah, right. And millions like, of people love that game to this day. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like, thought it was nothing special. Like, the way I would look at it is, like, if Time Magazine is, like, the people who feel like they're most responsible for understanding the culture of the time, these are the games that, from an outsider's perspective, some are insiders, I'm sure someone play games, these are their perspective on, like, what games defined the culture of the 2010s. For the most part, you can almost I think make this list right by mind. like writing an algorithm to find how many times they're mentioned on the internet. Yeah, to yeah. An extent, sure. Yeah. All right. Anybody else got anything to say about that? Uh, good list. I I agree. I'm, the Disco Elysium. I don't know much about this game. I know it just won some awards. I know you and John played it. Other than that, I'm like, man, I, I should probably check this out because it's getting a lot of hype. Yeah, yeah. But I you did say takeaway. that there's a lot of reading, and uh, and you don't, don't really want right. to do that. I said it was a lot of reading, but I also said I was very engaged. So you know, take that for what it will. You know, try it out if it's ever cheap. I doubt you'll hate it, but I definitely don't think it's one of those games you're gonna be able to just come off work and get ready to just you know. Z- Veg right. out with a controller. Yeah, work for it. And yeah, that's a big element of how I game. <laughs> yep, we talked about that quite a bit in episode one. All right, fellas, thanks for joining me tonight. If anybody wants to check out some of our YouTube content, where we have several ongoing video t- video series, Fatal Frame, Death Road to Canada, uh, Life is Strange Two will be posted sometime soonish, and uh, video has promised with a uh, <laughs> consequence of death to have Whoa. videos on police stories. So check all Jeez. that out here soon. Right. YouTube sla- YouTube.com slash Broken Campfire. Cool. If you are listening to this podcast, after two hours, you probably enjoy it. So maybe rate us on iTunes or whatever and tell your friends about it. That's really important for folks like us. And when we have time... We like to discuss uh, questions that users have submitted. You can do that at, or sorry, you can submit questions for us to discuss at brokencampfire at gmail.com. Fair warning, we will dox you. (laughs) We will dox you. We'll go the extra mile and find your address and make sure that's available for everybody to check out. We're coming for Uh, you, Chris Cox. Count your count uh, days. Count your cocks. I hope everybody has I a. I can't count. I, I hope everybody has a fantastic Hanukkah. I'm sure Flask has already told everybody here that it's the first day of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Oh. And for yeah. all of our uh, other religions out there, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and uh, as always, Eric is going to give us the final word. Yeah, you know, make make a better uh, top ten list. Submit it to us. Okay, okay. <laughs>